Hey y'all, it's me at Authentic Fee, and this is the audio recording of That's Me in the Spotlight, Losing My Religion, by me, Fatima Ba'ishin. Initially published on November 29th, 2020, on Medium. Religion wasn't shoved down my throat growing up, thankfully. I grew up nominally as Muslim, but as I aged and gained cognitive independence, I sought more questions than I was able to find answers for when it came to God. Even at a young age, I was innately spiritual, but to say that my path to embracing organized religion was sinuous is the understatement of the century. Through religious discourse, human beings are indoctrinated to believe that questioning is equivalent to doubting as opposed to understanding. I've watched close friends from various faiths and backgrounds struggle with this, not just myself. Through my own processing, I've settled into a utilitarian approach when it comes to religion. It's a means to an end, a tool I use to maintain my relationship with God. I don't get bogged down in the details because the devil is in the details. I've lived across various cultures enough to recognize that when it comes to any religion, people lose sight of the forest for not the trees, but the one twig sitting in the back row of the furthest corner branch. This approach isn't only daunting, but it's off-putting to those of us trying to make heads or tails of life and anchor our moral compass. Undergrad is when I finally started to gain the space and intellectual curiosity to rhetorically ask questions and seek my own answers about religion. I'm an all-or-nothing kind of gal, so I wasn't about to order from Theology's a la carte menu when I innately understood that the road to satiation was paved by eating the set courses. In order to do that, though, I needed to know the ingredients of all the dishes, so to speak, especially the ones difficult for me to palate. Admittedly, I struggled to understand different aspects of Islam. After doing extensive research, I reconciled answers that I could cerebrally digest because they made practical sense, not necessarily because I agreed. Take for example inheritance. Men are bequeathed half, whereas women obtain one-fourth because back in the day men were primarily the providers, leaving any earnings that women gained stashable for investments, the trusty bra bank, or a shoebox under the bed. Nowadays, though, given costs of living around the world and access to education and employment, I mean, compared to 7th century AD, women are essential contributors to household incomes. Yet, according to Islamic law, women still only receive one-fourth of inheritance. One could argue that the spirit of the law, as opposed to its letter, was tipping the scales in favor of not necessarily men, but the presumed expense-bearer. I certainly can't speak for Islam. John Esposito snagged that spot. And although I studied Islamic law, alas, I am no mufti. I am, however, an individual with questions living out my faith. After years of digging, observing, contemplating, as Spando Ballet put it, I know this much is true. There's a difference between the essence behind the doctrine versus its practical application. But beyond this, there's an even more critical piece to this existential puzzle. The advent of various religions didn't happen in a vacuum. They took place in the midst of histories colliding, war, death, destruction, empires expansions, communities forming, economic disparity, basically life's timeline marching forward on this earthly plane. 
What makes religion timeless in many ways is that history repeats itself, meaning the temporal aspects of religion are what make it so relevant, yet it's these very elements that get discarded in present practice. I'm grateful for my graduate school professors who objectively, but respectfully, taught Islamic history. In grad school, we didn't just study history. Thank you, Marshall G.S. Hodgson, for your works, The Ventures of Islam, Volumes 1, 2, and even 3, although Volume 3 doesn't get much love. We assessed how the history of its history was compiled, that is, the historiography. We dissected the entire spectrum of Islamic literature. I literally read the primary sources, such as the Holy Quran and vetted Hadith, all the way through to scholars who posited that the Prophet Muhammad was a self-aggrandized poet who produced nothing more than an epic poem and managed to promulgate, quote-unquote, his work through scribes and oral tradition. Think of the game telephone, y'all. On those days, I left class with R.E.M.'s classic, Losing My Religion, running through my head. The irony is that after deconstructing my belief system, probing, understanding, other perspectives, and piecing everything back together, my faith actually strengthened. But I had to start by asking questions. I can't digest, embrace, and ultimately practice through force-fed, rote learning. We are humans with discerning cognitive capabilities, not bots. Moral of the story, ask questions, not out of cynicism, but for comprehension and ultimately to keep the faith.